Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I hope you hope you were able to read fast. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, but I'd say, what a joy it is to be here. You know, I watch this program. I'm going to say at least 50% of the time, when every 50% of your Sundays. And I love this church, and I love what God's doing here. Praise God. It's exciting. And you know, there's a lot more uh, happening at this church than meets your eye. In fact, that's happening because every month this church sends us a, a, a generous, very generous uh, gift every month to help us with our operations. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys being faithful to the local church and tithing and sowing. Because when you do, you make the body of Christ work worldwide. It's not just about here. It's about all over the world. Hallelujah. And then you, you also make evangelists operate the way they're supposed to operate. You know, they don't have to send out your jerking letters and all kinds of stuff like that. Praise God. A couple of things I want to highlight and then get into the word. Uh, just, uh, I think you saw at the end, the brick factory where uh, it's run by slaves. Third generation slaves, second generation, first generation slaves. And they're there, and they have no way out. And I asked the Lord, what my part was it? Because, you know, I could stop everything and try to set the, the slaves free. And, uh, but then I'd have to stop everything else in order because it's a very expensive process. And I felt the Lord tell us to build a school and a community center and a church right where the border of the brick factory finishes. And so God's given us favor with the owner of the brick factory, even though I don't like what he's doing. Uh, he said he's going to give us the bricks for it. And so we're believing God to get that up and running. We have, I think you saw uh, Bright Angels uh, School in Uganda. You saw the Bright Angels School in the Philippines. We have a Bright Angels School in Pakistan, right by that brick factory. As a matter of fact, it's made up of students from that brick factory. And the parents work 12 hours a day, but they said they'd work an extra two hours so that they could let their kids go to school for the first time in all those generations. And so... Yeah, and so we believe God that we can do that uh, this year. And so Bright Angel School in pa Pakistan at the Boogiewala Brick Factory. If you ever remember that, Boogiewala, not Boogie Boogie, but Boogiewala Brick Factory. The other thing I want to mention is that uh, uh, in Uganda, we're starting a cement company. And you say, why would you send us? Start a cement company as a ministry. It's because we have a lot of people in our church that are out of work. And we need to teach them how to work, be productive, and so forth. But we've also done that because I believe God's given me a vision to have a very large structure on the main street of Arua, Uganda, which is a crossroads between South Sudan North and uh, South Sudan, Eastern Congo. And it's actually the most expensive property in, in all of Uganda. But I believe the Lord gave me a vision to have a very large church there. You know, all the mosques are on the main street and all the churches on the back alleys. And God gave me a vision to have a church of about 1,500 people. going to build one, just start, 1,500 people. And uh, just build it. And so uh, it's, it's a long-term goal. But uh, so we're also going to take some of the profits and put it over there. But the big reason is because the detention center that we're working with, you know, we went in one day a week. And they liked what we were doing so much, they gave us the whole program all week long. And we do everything except for intake and uh, legal work. But we do everything. We do school. We teach uh, uh, life skills. We teach the gospel. We counsel them. We pray with them. We do everything with them. And now... The, uh, the uh, leader of, or director of the, of the organization has asked us if we would take some of those young offenders, murderers and rapists and whatnot, if we would take them, and when they're released, that we would take them and mentor them. And, and so we're starting a pilot program, and so part of that is that 
you know, they'd have to pay their way as well so they can work in the afternoon at the brick factory. In the morning, they can work with our staff and pray and do ministry. And then in the afternoon, they can go work at the brick factory. And so it's a wonderful thing what God's been doing. It gives a great favor with the government in Uganda. And we're so grateful. You know, my wife and I started out doing this ministry. We pastored for 17 years. And then in 1999, the Lord spoke to us to leave uh, pastoring and start evangel missionary evangelist ministry. And uh, we started believing God for 50,000 souls in our lifetime. We just said, God, if you could help us win 50,000. So we thought that was a big deal. And I started saying it. I kind of felt embarrassed when I said it. And some pastors looked at me and said, who do you think you are? And uh, I, I would say I didn't have as much encouragement as I would like to have had. But uh, God encouraged me. I encouraged myself in the Lord. And uh, during that first year, we saw over, over 50,000 people come to the Lord. So I said, well, I'm going to have to raise my, my goal a little bit. But since that time, we've seen over 3 million decisions for Jesus. And over 50% of them are in Muslim countries. And former Muslims have turned to Jesus. And I don't know whether you saw that one picture. It's kind of a hallmark picture for us right now. It's uh, me preaching in front of a mosque. We're into a city where there's no, no Christians whatsoever. Uh, three Christians only, no churches, and uh, had, in, in one week, saw 50,000 decisions for Christ. Literally every night they were getting up and saying, I used to be a Muslim, but now I'm a Christian. I used to be a Muslim, but now I'm a Christian. And uh, they said, Allah never did this for me. And we're, we're right in front of a mosque. And uh, it's a great story I'll have to share with you another time. But uh, just wonderful. And this church has been helping us ever since its, its beginnings. This church has set its priorities. They not only uh, expect that you would be givers and generous, but they also, as leaders, are generous and givers and tithers, and they release uh, out into missions and other ministries uh, resources so that the body of Christ can flow uh, properly and nicely. And we appreciate it so much, appreciate the roots, uh, love Pastor Rick and, and uh, his, his ministry and, and all that God's doing. Just wanna make mention before I get into the word, have some books at the back. Here's one called, I Took My Blackberry to Africa. Now, I have been saved. I got an iPhone now. And, uh, and those of you still operating on, on those other things, we'll maybe take up an offering for you later to get you saved too. But uh, three and a half weeks, 64,000 souls came to the kingdom of God. And uh, it's not a sterile book. In other words, you will not read this book and say, oh, what a wonderful guy that Mark Davey is. No. You'll find me quaking, shaking, and frustrated and wondering what the heck I'm doing there. But in the midst of it, God came through. Hallelujah. And, uh, and so uh, I encourage you to maybe get it if you want a quick read there. Here's one called 100 Confessions to Set You Over. God put, uh, God put his word in Jeremiah's mouth and he said, Once my word, today I put my word in your mouth and I have set you over. And I believe when God's word gets in your mouth... That's when God will set you over your problems, your difficulties. How many got some things you want to overcome? And so I've challenged people, take three scriptures a day, three confessions a day, and uh, stand in front of a mirror, take a minute and a half, and confess them over your life, and see after one month if you don't feel better about things. I absolutely encourage you will. And uh, when my son and I were compiling this, I was going to divide them into categories like healing and prosperity and, you know, who you are in Christ. And God, I felt a rebuke from the Lord, not you know, strongly. He just said, don't bother. And I said, why, Lord? He said, because 
He says, I know my believers, they'll just pick one topic and forget the rest of the book. And he said, I really want them to get a whole concept. So I just threw them in there, uh, however they came, and so that when you're confessing, you're getting a whole, the whole counsel of God and understanding that your prosperity and your healing is for a purpose and that you are called to be new creations in Christ Jesus. Amen. So I want to encourage you with that. I have some MP, uh, MP3s. My son said, get with the program. And so we put, we, we don't have, we have CDs and DVDs out there, but if you want, we have some preaching. And uh, I, it's called MP3s, Mark's Preaching Times 3. So on each one of these uh, uh, memory sticks, you'll find some preaching ones, the encouragement package, the evangelism package, and the empowerment package. Do we know why that's doing that? Okay. And so uh, you may want to get that. But the other thing that just came out hot off the press is a lovely little book for kids. It's called, Oh, What a Wonder, and uh, that Jesus loves me. When I was a little boy, uh, the Lord spoke to me at a camp through a song. And it was, I am so glad that Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. And it had such an impact on my life that one day I woke up and I thought, I got to put that in, in word, in a book, so that other kids can get the same message that I had, though no matter how many mistakes I make, no matter how far I go from God, he still loves me and he will accept me. And so uh, our, your very own Sarah Quinlan did all the artwork on this. And it is phenomenal. And we're so blessed to be able to uh, make that available for you. Praise the Lord. Are you ready for the word? Yes. yes, praise God. Turn with me to John chapter two. John chapter two. And I wanna talk to you about living a rhythm of miracles or living in a rhythm of miracles. And here's my premise. Most of us, when we hear the word miracle, we think somebody's gonna die, somebody's gonna go bankrupt. We've got no other way to help them. We need a miracle. That's the lowest form of Christian living that you could live by. Nevertheless, God can step in and you honor your faith and he can raise you up. But my point is this, and the premise of this whole message is, God wants you to live higher. You don't have to just have miracles when somebody's going to die, somebody's going to go bankrupt, but you can have miracles in your life as you rise higher and higher and fulfill the purposes and plans of God. Are you with me right now? So I want to read to you from the book of John, chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana, Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited as well. And when they ran out of wine, the mother said to Jesus, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman... That's got to be a cultural thing. Uh, don't do that to your mom. If I did that to my mom, she'd chase me around with a broom. Uh, he said, woman, what does that concern you? Uh, what concern has that to do with me? Mine hour has not yet come. And uh, his mother said uh, to his servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Well, that's who should be getting the royalties, not Nike. Just do it. And uh, now there were... Uh, set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now. Take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tested the, tasted the water uh, that was made wine, he did not know where it came from. But the servants who had drawn it knew. And the master of the feast called the bridegroom said to him, every man at the beginning sets out good wine, but you have saved the best for last. 
this is the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana Galilee to manifest his glory and his disciples believed him. Hallelujah. Well, I want you to notice, first of all, that this whole miracle was the very first miracle that Jesus did. And I always wondered why Jesus turned the water into wine for his first miracle. I mean, why didn't he just raise somebody from the dead and say, I'm the one who gives life? And uh, why didn't he just open somebody's blind eyes and say, I'll open your eyes and then you'll really see the truth. Or open somebody's ears and say, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and I'm giving you ears to hear. But he chose turning the water into wine as his first miracle. And I think that's really interesting. He says he did this to show forth his glory. To show forth his glory. Now, I don't know whether you've been around for a while, but if you've been saved for even longer than a year or two, you'll know that us uh, charismatic, Baptocostal, Pentaholiness, whatever we are, people who love Jesus are, that sometimes crazy things happen in the house of God. I mean, the Spirit of God moves and somebody, you know, falls over. The Spirit of God moves and somebody starts crying. Somebody starts laughing. Somebody starts shaking. You know, all kinds of manifestations. I'm not nervous in the service. I, I, I grew up in Pentecost. Uh, my parents uh, were, were Pentecostal preachers with the Pentecostals in Canada. And uh, I grew up as a missionary kid. So I've seen a lot. And I'm not nervous about those manifestations. There's 66 different manifestations in the Bible. And that happened when the Spirit of God touched people. So, but it's kind of like, you know, put your finger in the, uh, the outlet there. Everybody responds differently. And so the laughing itself, the falling over, the shaking, the quaking, the, the going still and just being solemn, that's not necessarily the glory. That's the response to the glory. But we mistake and say, oh, that's the glory of God. No, that's not the glory of God. Somebody could be rolling around the ground. Uh, receiving from God and be in the glory. Another person could be rolling around the ground acting like an idiot. And nothing's happening in their life. And you don't know the difference, but only they know. Are you with me right now? So what then is the glory of God? Well, I looked in John chapter 11, and I think that the Bible's best, uh, uh, best, uh, uh, de best to define terms in the Bible. And Jesus comes to the uh, death of Lazarus. Martha and Mary come to him. Both times they say, Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus said, didn't I tell you if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. So I think, I'm thinking, okay, the glory of God's going to happen. Somebody's going to fall over. Somebody's going to shake. Somebody's going to quake. Uh, you know, there's going to be cloud, clouds of glory. There's going to be angels. There's going to be visitations. There's going to be all things. And what happened there was none of that, except for a man who was dead, came alive. And I, I like to define the glory of God as this. That when the glory of God touches you, we'll know the glory of God touches you, not by how high you jump or how long you dance, but we'll know the glory of God touched your life if something that was dead comes alive. And I think that's a really good uh, way to understand the glory of God, that, that, that if the glory's really touched you, if it's not just an act, if it's not just a show, if it's not just a you know, Hollywood kind of thing, if it really was God, that which is dead, comes alive your your dead liver comes alive hallelujah your, your your depression gets broken off you and you start to have the joy of the lord come on are you with me right now your 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 sadness it, it turns to joy your 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 heartache turns to laughter come on something was dead comes alive are you with me now and what happened in this miracle message here is that what happened here when jesus turned the water into wine the glory of god was released 
And disciples who were ragtag, they just come, started following Jesus. Up to this point, I have a good understanding that they still were in question whether or not Jesus was really the Messiah. But when this miracle took place of turning the water into wine, it says right in verse 11 of John chapter 2, it says, he did this to display his glory and his disciples believed him. Evidently, this miracle that Jesus did, turning the water to wine, was so spectacular, the disciples who were following him but not sure changed their mind and had solidified their commitment and their, their confidence in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. What happened when Jesus turned the water into wine? Well, some say Jesus did it because he wanted to show that he was a one who makes new creations. And he takes water and he turns it into wine as a symbol of the new creation. Other people said that Jesus did it because this was the first of his miracles. And the first thing we're going to do when we get to heaven is have the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we're going to celebrate with Jesus. Well, those might be good. But the best uh, illustration or best understanding of why Jesus turned the water into wine is he did it to prove that he was one greater than Moses to his disciples. Remember, they didn't have the New Testament at the time. They had the Pentateuch. They read about Moses and Abraham, and, and they read about great patriarchs of faith. But one did great miracles, Moses. He did great miracles when uh, he was trying to deliver his people from Egyptian bondage, and, and he had the ten plagues, and through Moses' hands and through the, the, the rod, uh, miracles happened, and God uh, blessed him, and great things were accomplished. The first miracle that Moses did was he turned the water into blood. And when he turned the water into blood, it's a symbol of death. It's a symbol of judgment. It was a picture of what was going to happen to the Egyptian leaders if they didn't succumb, if they didn't humble themselves and uh, release the Egyptians. It was a symbol of death. It was a symbol of correction. It was a symbol of law. It was a symbol of, uh, uh, of, uh, of uh, correction in their life that God was going to do. Years later, Jesus comes along proving that he's greater than Moses and he doesn't turn the water into blood, but he turns the water into wine. Wine is a symbol of life. It's a symbol of a new creation. It's a symbol of festivity. It's a symbol of holidays and, and family. It's a symbol of celebration. And so Jesus came on the scene and he said, I bring you a new covenant. I'm bringing you a new way. I'm bringing you a, a, a new and living way through myself. I'm bringing it to you and I'm proclaiming that I am the life giver. I am the resurrection. If you believe on me, you won't be under the law, but you'll be under my grace and my confidence. Hallelujah. And so Jesus does it. And so I want you to keep all those thoughts in mind as I just go through a, a, a few thoughts about the water turning into wine. Jesus turns the water into wine and it demonstrates his power over the elements. Jesus takes water. Now, I hate to break your bubble today, but I want to tell you that 99.9% .9 of the water you drink is dead. It actually has no real life in it. If it's gone through a filter, if it's gone through any kind of purification, if it's gone into a piece of plastic, if it's gone through a pipe, it's dead. All the nutrition, nutrition is out of it, and it's actually dead. 
And I, I thought, man, that can't be true. I mean, my wife talked me into start buying, you know, years ago, buying bottles of water and keeping them in the car. And I thought, man, I can just go to a fountain and drink it from there. And she goes, oh, this is better. And it's not. It really is not. Even I don't care what they put on the label. It's not. 99.9% .9 of all the water you drink is dead. But Jesus takes something was dead and he makes it alive. He takes uh, H2O and he turns it into wa wine and he turns it into, can I tell you, C2H6O2. And he turns it into that element. He takes something that's dead and he makes it alive. And that's a symbol. You say, well, what's, what's that to me? What's the big deal about that? The big deal is simply this, that if you've got something that's dying in your body, Jesus can, in a second, touch it and make it alive. That dead cancer's got to go. Jesus can bring you new life, new, new, new cells, new fibers, new organs. Come on now. If you've got a spirit of murder, you've got a spirit of anger in you, Jesus can take that away and he can give you a spirit of love. He can take that which is dead and he can make it alive. He has power over the elements. Hallelujah. Thank God. Amen. Never forget a lady in Port Perry. She came to his service one time. In that very same service, we had a lady uh, had six tumors in her stomach. Prayed for her. And I, I saw her disappear. She came back in. And she's holding her trousers like this. I said, ma'am, what's happened? She said, I had six tumors in my stomach. I think they disappeared because I've lost six inches off my waist. She's holding up her pants. I went over to the pastor. I said, is this woman incredible or is she a psycho? He said, that's my secretary. She's been praying. She's been praying and believing God for a miracle. Her mom came up that very night. She had cancer in both ears and uh, both earlobes. It was a skin cancer. And one ear, uh, the doctor did surgery on and he cut out that cancer and it looked like somebody had you know, bitten her and taken a chunk out of her earlobe. But we prayed for her and the cancer that was in her other ear actually fell off into my hand as I was, as I was praying for her. And uh, she pulled out her mirror and she looked at her ear. And she says, look at this. This is the work of man, but this is the work of God. The doctor took what was dead and cut that which is dead out of the body. Jesus took what was dead and he made it alive and he left it without scars. <laughs> Hallelujah, that's the Jesus I serve. He has power over the elements. Secondly, he has power, uh, he has power over time. You say, what, what does that mean? He has power over time. Uh, Jesus uh, took that which, a process which take many, many years, and he did it in just a few seconds. Now, I don't know anything much about wine, but I did consult the encyclopedia Google and um, to find out, and I found out that to start a vineyard is about three years just to get a seed in the ground and bring it up to a place where it bring grape. Now, I've had some people uh, who are farmers and have done that. They said three, after three years, they didn't have much. They said it took up at least five years, but let's say three years. And then to uh, take that wine through the process and age it, that an average wine ages seven to 10 years, better wines 10 to 15 and the best wines from 12 to 20 years. And Jesus does in a minute what would have taken 15 plus three, 18 years minimum. And he does it in just a split second. Are you with me right now? 
that God somehow can step out of time, do all the work, step back in time with his miracle and just give it to you. Hallelujah. I love the word of God. You know, a few years ago, my wife and I were in, um, were in uh, Bangkok. She was coming from Canada. I was coming from Pakistan. We were going to meet and go to, uh, to, to Thailand, to, to the city there where our Bible college is. And, and I met her in the airport, and there she is. She's got, you know, she's all dressed up nice, and she's got her hair all twirly whirlied up. You guys know that. I don't know what the machine's called, but, you know, it sucks in your hair and then spits it out all twirly whirly whirlies. And there was a Christmas a couple of years ago, a couple of Christmases ago. Uh, my daughters got them, and so the next day I went out and bought one for my wife because I liked the, like what it looked like. And she said, oh, man, this is going to take hours. I said, stop it. I'll help you. And I helped my wife do her hair, and after an hour and a half, I said, baby, you're on your own. <laughs> and uh, so she had her all twirly-whirlied up, and, and uh, she's already gone. We're going to leave the international airport in Bangkok and go to the, to the uh, national airport. One's international, one's national. They're an hour and a half away on each other side of the city. Take a taxi over there, get to the hotel. We're going to go out for dinner. Sharon starts saying she lost her glasses. And so we looked in her, her small suitcase, and then we looked in her big suitcase, and then we looked in her purse. <laughs> I know women come up to me all the time and say, I got a shoulder problem. I say, uh, let me give you a word of wisdom. Get a smaller purse. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> and, and so uh, you know, we looked in her, couldn't find her glasses anywhere. And uh, she went, took a shower. I looked again in her big, small suitcase, her big suitcase, her purse. And then we went out for dinner, came back, and before we went to bed, looked again. And the next morning, we're going to have breakfast. We're going to fly out and, uh, as, uh, at the National Airport. We're going to fly out. And as we do, uh, I just, she gets up in the morning, and my wife likes to rise early. You know, I thought, personally, I think that if God wanted me to see this sunrise, he would have made it later on in the day. <laughs> but uh, my wife, she rises up early. And, uh, and so... Uh, you know, she's up there. She's going to take a shower. She's trying to wake me up. I said, honey, are you going to take a shower? I'll get up after you take a shower. I got 15 more minutes. And just as I was going to sleep again, and uh, believe you me, I can just turn it off and go right back. Uh, 15, just before I did that, I said, Lord, I, I'd like to know where those glasses are. And I had a little dream. And in my dream, I went back downstairs, waited for a taxi, went all the way to the other airport, an hour and a half over there, stood on the curb for I don't know how long, waited till and thousands and thousands of taxis, but I knew this taxi. It was a Toyota station wagon. There's not many of them like any, around anymore. And so I knew which one. I waited and waited and waited. Finally, it came in, and I went over to the taxi driver. In my dream, I kind of communicated to the taxi driver that my wife had lost her glasses. Can I look in the car? And I opened the back door, and there in the car was my wife's glasses on the floor. So I picked them up, held them in my hand, and I said, I'm going to put these in my wife's suitcase so when she looks for them again, she'll know where to find them. I woke up. My wife's calling me from the shower. She, I, she says, time to get up. I said, yes. I said, why don't you look in your, your suitcase, top of your suitcase for a second. She said, Mike, I've got to get ready. I don't have time for this. And I said, honey, just look in the suitcase. No, no, no. I said, humor me. Go look in your suitcase. And she went and looked in her suitcase. And on top of the suitcase, guess that's where her glasses were. Now, whether you, listen, I, I believe it was a supernatural miracle. I believe it was. Whether you believe that or not, that's like God. That in 15 minutes, 
He can do what would have taken at least an hour and a half back, an hour and a half this way, at least an hour and a half on the curb. Say four and a half hours, Jesus did it in 15 minutes. He's a God who has power over time. He has authority over time. You say, what's the big deal to that? Well, the big deal would be when you go to the doctors and he says, you got cancer and you're going to have to wait for a few months until you can get chemotherapy. And when you do, it's going to take three or four months and then you're going to come out and then we're going to check it and then we're going to see whether you need it again. And if you need it, we'll put you back in for three or four months and then we'll bring you out and probably you'll need it again if it's working and then we'll put you back in and then we won't really know and then we'll wait and two years from now, we might have a verdict whether you're going to live or die. In one second, Jesus can step out of time, heal the cancer, and bring your body back into line. Hallelujah. That's the God who we serve, amen? His power over nature, power over time, and he has power to take that which is valueless and make it valuable. He took maybe, you know, 750 liters, maybe $30 worth of water by our, our terminology. He took it and he turned it into wine. 750 liters of wine. At $20 for cheap wine, a bottle, you got $15,000. $30 to $15,000. Still with me? And, and, then, and then if he, he, he turned it into a good wine, $200 for a liter, that's uh, $150,000. Are you still with me? Expensive wine, a good wine, is about $600 a liter. I might just check this up on the... A good wine, good, good wine, is about $600 a liter. That's $450,000. But I looked in the, in the Google, the encyclopedia Google, and I found an expensive wine, and by this, this is not the most expensive. I found some two and three hundred, three and four hundred thousand dollars a liter, can you believe that? But I found an expensive wine, $19,405. Times 750, that's $1,428,750. That's not a bad wedding gift. Jesus took that which was inexpensive, valueless, and he made it valuable. That's what he does in our life. He takes us out of the gutter. It takes us out of bankruptcy. He takes us out of our sin and our despair and our gloom. And he takes that which is worthless. Sometimes you may look in the mirror and don't like what you see. Or maybe you've done that in the past. Or other people look at you and they don't like what they see. But Jesus can take that valueless thing and he can make you valuable. Hallelujah. And for a purpose and for a reason, that's the God who we serve. Hallelujah. So let me quickly show you how to live in a cycle of miracles. Number one, if you want to live in a cycle of miracles, I'm talking about all the time miracles. You know, my wife and I, we started off in the early ministry, and I'll tell you something, it was like, if God didn't come through, we, not only were we going to go broke, the church was going to go broke, and we was going to go under. And God met us every, every week. And I'll tell you, I could tell you, I could stay here for a day and tell you all the miracles. I'm talking about great miracles that God taught us to live in, I believe it was so that we could do what we're doing now. But God will come through at that level. But I believe today we're seeing a cycle of miracles in our ministry that, you know, and, and, and we're not living with, you know, uh, you know, knots in our stomach like we did in the early days. Because in the early days, if he didn't come through, we we're going to die. But now if he doesn't come through, we're just going to hold off until he does. We're living in this cycle of miracles, and so I want to show you how to live in a rhythm of miracles. Number one, you got to invite Jesus to your party. You know, they didn't wait and say, oh, well, you know, we got ran out of wine. Let's get your phone. Let's text Jesus and ask him if he can swing over here. 
No, no. They already invited him to the party. You don't invite Jesus to every uh, season of your life. You say, well, some of my seasons haven't been that fun. No, they're probably not. You know, don't you know? I was in the hospital last week. You were in the hospital? Yeah, and I had people sticking me with things, and, and, you know, the food wasn't good, and the bed was lumpy. And, you know, that might not sound too exciting for you, but for somebody over in third world countries who are sick in the gutter, have nobody to look after them, have nothing to eat, and have no place to lay, they think that what you're doing is a party. Invite Jesus to every season of your life. Well, Brother Mark, I got to work day in, day out just to make ends meet. And, uh, you know, the paycheck I get, I can hear somebody on the other end say, you get paid for what you do. No, invite Jesus to every season of your life. I want Jesus to be where I am, and I want to be where he is because that's where my miracle is. That's where my provision is. That's where my supply is. That's where my anointing is. Come on now. And so invite Jesus to every season of your life. Uh, I, I remember a guy in first year of ministry, his name was John, and he would get himself in a jackpot, and we'd come over and help him and pray him through and get him released, and then he'd turn around and, you know, say, I'm going to serve Jesus for the rest of my life, and I really mean it this time, and two months, two months later, he'd be in the same problem. I met him about a year ago and found out he hasn't changed. He's still living from, you know, uh, tragedy to tragedy. And getting in jackpots all the time, never learned to live in a rhythm of miracles where God would cause him to live at the top rather than at the bottom. And so uh, live in a rhythm of miracles. You know, invite Jesus to your party. When I was a little boy, six years old, uh, uh, my, mom, my dad was going to take me fishing. And my mom says, I'll pray for you that I catch a fish. And I was six years old. I said, no, mom, don't pray. I want to do this on my own. And so I went fishing. My dad managed to eke out a big, whopping catfish. And somehow he managed to slice it up into seven equal parts, and we all had a piece. And, uh, and that was it. I never caught any fish. In fact, I never caught any fish for a long time until one day I was with my wife's, uh, my wife's father, my father-in-law. He wasn't my father-in-law then. And her brother, and we, he, they took us up to the Zambezi River in Africa, and I was fishing on, on that river, and uh, I told my wife, I had a holy, I had this religious holy fear. It had a hole over here and a hole over here because I was just 17 years old. And, uh, and I told her that if I catch a fish over 10 pounds, over 12 pounds, I would cut it off. I'd shave, shave the beard. So I didn't catch anything. And after about three hours, everybody was catching fish. And I wasn't catching anything. Okay, Jesus, help me catch a fish. So I caught, a, I caught a 12-pound tiger fish, which is a trophy fish for that kind of fish. And I was going to put it and mount it, but my dog ate it. And, uh, but, but the point is that they weighed it, and they said it's 12 pounds. And I said, no, it's not, because I knew that in a couple, couple hours it was only going to be 9 or 10, because the water was going to all drip out of its side. No, it's not. I'm not going to shave off my beard. And so, uh, and so they went back fishing, and I got tired of fishing. I went and laid on the inlet on the Zambezi River on the beach there, and I stuck my fishing line out there, 90-pound test, and the, the wires out there in between my thumbs, and I fell asleep, and I found out that's where the crocodiles sleep. Uh, the next day I'm flying over, I see all these crocodiles where I was laying. I said, Thank you, Jesus. He kept me alive. But here I am sleeping, and all of a sudden, my finger starts painting like crazy. I look down, there's blood everywhere, and I got something on the end of the line, 
and I go out on the peninsula. I walked out the peninsula because I didn't want to get caught on the rocks. And I walked out there, and it took me about 45 minutes to pull in a 75-pound catfish. Wow, that was a great catch. Now I had to shave off my beard. But what's your point? My point is I invited Jesus to my party. You know, since then, I've caught barracuda off the coast of uh, the Caribbean. I've caught, you know, I've dove for conch. I've, I've uh, caught uh, salmon. I've caught tunas off the Indian Ocean. My whole family who caught big 25 and 30-pound salmons, uh, tunas rather, and cooked our best, uh, best meal we've ever had in our life. We caught it ourselves. I mean, it's phenomenal. But I invited Jesus to my party. You got to invite Jesus to your party. Number one, invite Jesus to your party. Number two, tell Jesus your problems. Mary turns to Jesus and says, we ran out of wine. You say, well, uh, I know that. No, I think sometimes we forget that. I don't know how it is that in, in, in traditional Pentecostal circles, some people just rely on the sovereignty of God so much that they forget to pray. Well, whatever God wants to happen will happen. No, I'm praying for the nation of Canada. Are you? No, no, what God, you know, so the people get in that side. But on the faith side of things, some people just have these lofty confessions. Lord, you bless my bread and water, and you, I had your protection around my family. And that's all good, and we need to confess those things. But when problems arise, Jesus developed a mechanism that we could call upon him and have assurance that he's there working on our side. you got to call him up and tell him what you want. Oh, what pain. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. You got to tell Jesus your problems. Pray. You got to pray, 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 pray. You got to pray, 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 pray. Okay. And um, no, you got to pray. So this is how you live in a cycle of miracles. Invite Jesus to your party. Tell him your problems. Number three, use words of faith. She turns, listen, she prayed. Talk to Jesus. Jesus didn't give her a favorable response. But in spite of it, she still used her faith. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. That was her confession. She didn't hear the negative. She just knew that Jesus would come through. You got to use your faith. Listen, I still believe that, that your tongue is like a rudder that will steer your ship. And no matter what storm you're going through right now, if you'll get your tongue pointed in the right direction, you will come out of it. Hallelujah. I still believe that. Invite Jesus to your party. Tell him your problems. Use words of faith. Number four, get some containers. You say, what do you mean for containers? You know, some people have a desire for God to work in their life but they never developed the container to hold the works of God. I've seen some people want to be healed, but they never studied the word of God. They never made room in their time, room in their spirit to find out what God's word says about your healing. Some people want to prosper, but they've never made room in their life for God's principles of prosperity, which is make Jesus your business partner. Let him get involved in your finances. I believe Jesus and me can do better with my finances than me all alone. Some people never developed the, the container for a miracle. Jesus said, go get some pots. And they got pots. It's like, reminds me of the prophet in the Old Testament said, go and borrow some vessels, not a few. Which gave us the idea, the more vessels you have, the more Jesus could fill. When I was a little boy, I heard about barns. That is, you'll give your barns will be full, hallelujah. And I used to think, well, I'm a city slicker. I was born in Hamilton, Ontario. 
I don't need any barns. It took me a long time to come up with the concept of barns, that everybody needs a barn, that everybody needs vessels. You say, I, I was, it was 2004, and in 2004, I, God gave me a great financial revelation, brought me out of debt into a place where we've never looked back. But I remember those days before that, we had one bank account for our family and one bank account for the ministry, and that was it. And through that process, God began to re- help me realize that if I wanted to be blessed, I got to have some more barns. I got to get some more vessels. And so I started opening a bank account for holidays and a bank account for this and a bank account for a car. And I realized that instead of using the bank to buy a car, I could save the money up and use my own bank and pay myself interest. Are you with me right now? Today, I, I don't I know. I, I, we got a few bank accounts and investments now personally, but I really don't know how many bank accounts our ministry has. I guess I could figure it out, but I, I, I was trying to count. I think I lost count somewhere around 70 around the world. From one bank account to 70, every one of those bank accounts must have enough in it because I don't see any bounced checks. You see, it's not, it's not they're all running over yet, but if I didn't make them, there'd be nothing in them. You know, a couple of years ago, and I'm not telling you to do this, but one day I woke up and God said, I want you to invest this much money in in uh, Bitcoin. And I did. I'm not telling you to do it. Don't follow my advice. But I did it. I put $2,000 in it. And just uh, in November, I cashed out $5,000 and left $14,000 in. Now it's gone down now, but it'll come back up, I think. But even if it doesn't, I already got two and a half times out of it than what I put into it. You got to get some bank accounts. You got to get some barns. You got to get some places wherever you want to have a blessing, make room for it. Get a container, stretch yourself out, and make room for what you desire, and God will bless you. And they took those vessels, and they filled them to a brim. Hallelujah. Are you with me right now? So you got to invite Jesus to your party, tell him your problems, use your words of faith, get some containers. And the fifth one is this. you got to be a drawer. Not a drawer like uh, our sister Quinlan here, you know, somebody who can draw things. A drawer, one that's willing to draw the water, one that's willing to do what Jesus asked you to do. Come on now. And Jesus went to the man with the withered hand. He told the man to stand on his feet. What did the man do? Say, Jesus, my problem is my arm, not my feet. No, he stood on his feet. And Jesus saw his obedience and he gave him the power to stretch forth his hand. Are you with me right now? The man who is crippled on, on, the, on the bed, carried by four, Jesus said to him, take up your bed and walk. He didn't open his mouth and start arguing with Jesus. He just tried to do what he couldn't do. And I'm telling you, somewhere in the drawing, there is a miracle for you. What are we doing here? What is your pastor doing? What are your pastors doing? They're drawing every week, drawing and believing God for miracles and signs and wonders and a harvest in this great city of Windsor. What are you doing in your prayer? You're drawing. What are you doing in your obedience? You're drawing. What are you doing in your giving? You're drawing. You're being obedient. And God comes through with great miracles. Hallelujah. Now in this story, I've got three things to just finish with. In this story, there's three points I, I want to just bring. Number one, this story is a great triumph, but it's also a tragedy. You say, what's the tragedy? 
The triumph is that Jesus turned the water into wine and that his disciples really believed. But the tragedy is when they brought the wine to the governor of the feast, he didn't know where it came from. The people didn't know where it came from. Only the servants, only the disciples, and Mary and Jesus knew. What's the tragedy? The tragedy is that they brought the whole congregation, if you will, face to face with a miracle, but they didn't bring him face to face with Jesus. Had a miracle happen in George, Prince George, Prince George, Alberta, one time. And while I was there, uh, a lady who was totally crippled in her hand all her life got healed and her arms stretched out. Her son was there, never been to church. He started jumping. I mean, 18 years old, started jumping. and was so excited. It was a great night. But a month later, I was talking to the pastor. I said, have they come back to church? She said, came back once. They haven't come back since. I said, have you talked to them? She said, yeah, I talked to them last week. Her arm's totally healed. I said, then how come she's not in church? She said, I don't know. She just thanks God for a miracle, but, but doesn't want to come to church. And I said, did she really have an encounter with Jesus, or did she just meet a miracle? We need to be careful when we witness with people. We don't just bring them to prayer. We don't just introduce them to a miracle. We don't just introduce them to a concept. But be careful in all that you're doing. Make sure we bring them right through to Jesus Christ. I wonder how many people across this land, and I remember how many, maybe God looks down and he says, they drink my water, they see my beautiful creation, but did they ever look to the mountains from whence their help came from? My friends, we gotta bring through, that's the tragedy. The second thing is this, and I want you to see this. Jesus did this miracle just for fun. Nobody was gonna die, nobody's gonna go bankrupt. But he did it just for fun, which introduced me to a concept that you could have a miracle just for fun. When we see God's provision, you know, the, Pastor Mike was over there putting a fence around one of our properties and overseeing that project and doing so much more. But you know, when they gave us a bill for $23,000 and said, that's what it's going to cost, I said, God, how do I raise $23,000 for a fence? Hard enough to raise money for souls and for churches and for schools, but who wants to invest in a fence? And uh, I said, Lord, this is your problem. You brung it. You got to provide for it. And I just left it in the Lord's hands. Two, two days later, among the mail, I opened one up, and it was a check for 20, not 22, not 25, but $23,000 even. Hallelujah, because God knows how to provide. That was a fun miracle. I didn't have knots in my stomachs if it didn't happen. I wasn't gonna, you know, you know what I'm talking about. When you need a miracle so bad, you're so desperate for it, and your faith is saying yes, 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 and your head's going. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I don't want to live there anymore. I want to live off the top of the barrel rather than the bottom. Are you with me right now? And so it was a miracle just for fun. A few years ago, I was preaching in my home church. I'm almost done. I was preaching in my home church in Sarnia, and I was preaching on uh, God uh, changing our attitudes. I was preaching on Jeremiah. And uh, when God says to the prophet, stop saying. Stop saying you don't have enough. Stop saying you're too young. Stop saying you're too stupid. Stop saying you're too ugly, whatever. And in that preaching, I heard myself say, stop saying you can't afford a vacation. And when I was preaching that, it just dawned on me that I hadn't taken a vacation. And I'd said that a few times. And I looked at my wife. There was no faith hints in the congregation or anything like that. 
But as I was driving back to London where we lived, I was so tired that night, I didn't say much on the way home except for to say this. I said, Sharon, we got to believe God for a vacation. And she said, amen to that. That's pretty much all we said for the whole hour when we got back to the house. I was too tired. I just left my sweaty clothes in the, in the car, I left my books and supplies. I just walked in the house, went to the shower, took a shower, went to bed. Next morning, I got up and uh, got the books out, got the laundry in the laundry place, and I decided, because since I was dressed and had my keys on me, I'd go down to the mailbox and see what came in the mail on Friday. I went down there and opened up my mailbox, and in there was a letter to myself, and it said, Mark, this money here is not for the ministry. It's for you personally. God told me you need a vacation. And then there was a check for $1,000. I started figuring that out. I said, wait a second. I didn't start believing until last night. That letter came on Friday. That's about 48 hours earlier. And I said, furthermore, it came from British Columbia. That's got to be three days. And, and then it, you had to speak to him to get him to convince him to write the check. God, you did this a long time ago before I even called. You answered. That's the God we serve. He steps out of time, goes back, makes things way, and then when we need it, he provides it. Hallelujah. You can have a miracle just for fun. I was in uh, Geraldton. I was telling uh, people about this concept. I wasn't preaching this message, but a concept. One young lady, about 25 years old, went home. Laid in her bed that night. She said, Lord, it's 1130. She said, Lord, I lost my Bible three months ago. I'd like to know where it is. Started to go to sleep. About 10 minutes later, the phone rang. It was a motel, hotel. And the hotel said, uh, is this so-and-so? Yes. You stayed here three months ago? Yes. We found your Bible three months ago, but this is the first chance we've had to call you and tell you that we got it. Why? Why in those 10 minutes? Why did it happen at that specific time? Why didn't they call earlier? Why didn't they call later? No, I believe that when you put your faith out, God can do miracles just for fun. It's not that she didn't have the money to buy a new Bible. She just wanted her old one back. And I'm here to tell you, you can have a miracle for fun. And I think if we live in the realm where we started trusting God for little things, then when we came to the big things, we'd have faith for that too. Maybe you're here, you have a desire to take somebody out for dinner when, they, when the thing lifts. And you want to take them out for dinner, but you don't have the money. Why don't you tr start trusting God now? That you'll be able to do that, that you'll be a blessing to somebody. Why don't you start making plans for all the wonderful ministry you're going to do as soon as this thing lifts? Why don't you put God in the equation? Stuff that you believe in God for, that you're not going to have a nervous breakdown if it doesn't happen, but you're going to be so excited when it does. You can have a miracle just for fun. Final point. Jesus said, woman, what have I to do with you? My hour has not yet come. But I want you to know that that which was not his hour became his hour because of faith. The woman said, his, wife, his mom said, we've run out of wine. Jesus knew exactly what she was asking. She said, my time has not yet come. I'm not about ready to start my public ministry. But evidently, her faith I'm going to say, not, did not change the mind of Jesus. Because Jesus couldn't do anything without the authority of God. But I think at a split moment, Jesus had a conversation with God the Father. He said, God, there's a lady here. She wants me to start my ministry early. 
And God says, what you want to do? You turn water into wine. And God says to her, who's asking? And Jesus says, well, it's my mom. And God says, who? And Jesus said, my mom. And God says, your mom. Give it to her. She's your mom. We have a Savior who ever lives to make intercession for us. And when you call upon the Lord, timing does not matter because he does not live in time. He's a God who lives. He's timeless. And when you call upon him, he says, hey, Billy Bob, God, Billy Bob's asking for a miracle. And God says, who? And Jesus said, your son, my brother, Billy Bob, is asking for a miracle. And God says, who? Jesus said, Billy Bob. And God says, Billy Bob, give it to him. And right now, I want you to know that he ever lives to make intercession for you. You can live in this rhythm of miracles where signs and wonders happen in your life. We see miracles every week in our ministry. I've got to tell you something. Because we've asked God to take us higher. Not just live by the pool of Bethesda, where Jesus comes and says, do you want to get healed? Because if you don't, you're going to lay there for the rest of your life. But I want to live at a higher plane where I begin to call upon Jesus. As he said in Psalms, ask of me. I'll give you the nations for your inheritance. Are you with me right now? You can come higher. You can go further. You can live in a rhythm of miracles. Would you bow your head, close your eyes. I'm going to turn this back to the pastor in just a minute and a half. Listen to me right now. I'd be foolish to go all over the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. See thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people come to Jesus. And I'll give you an opportunity right now. Maybe you're here today, you don't know Jesus as your savior. Maybe you're here today, you're backslidden. Maybe you're here today, you can't say for sure that you're saved. No, if you can't say you're saved, can I tell you something? I'm not to bring doubt in your mind, but if you can't say you're saved, you're probably not. Because the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you don't know you're saved, you're probably not. Because the Bible says, it is given unto you to know that you have life eternal. I'm not here to confuse anybody. If you're saved, stand fast in that. But if you don't know you're saved, can't say for sure you're saved. If you're backslidden, if you're living with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God, if you don't know for sure that if you died today that you'd make heaven I'm not going to embarrass you I'm not going to ask you to speak in the microphone but I do want to pray for you in just a moment I'm going to count to three I'm going to ask you would you be bold enough, courageous enough to slip up your hand and let me pray with you today, you don't know Jesus you're not serving Jesus not sure if you died tonight you'd make heaven, you can't say for sure you're saved you don't know for sure you're saved Maybe you're living with one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom of God. But today the voice of Jesus calls unto you. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Tomorrow may be too late. Jesus is tugging at your heart right now. That funny feeling you feel in your stomach. The presence of God tugging at your heart right now. Now, now is the time. Now is the acceptable time. You're here today, you don't know Jesus, you're not serving Jesus, not sure if you died today, you'd make heaven, you can't say for sure you're saved, don't know for sure you're saved. Maybe you're backslidden. Count to three right now, I wanna, you boldly just lift up your hand, I wanna pray for you. I'm not gonna ask you to speak in the microphone, I'm not gonna ask your name, but I do wanna pray with you. 
You don't know Jesus, not serving Jesus, not sure if you died today, you didn't make it, but you want to know for sure. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand. One, get ready. Two, three, lift up your hand. Yes, over here, over here. Anybody else? Lift up your hand. I know there's other people. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Four, five, six. Anybody else? Slip up your hand. Anybody else? Pray for me, Brother Mark. I want to get things. Yes, sir. I see your hand. Is there anyone else you'd say, pray for me, Brother Mark? Pray for me now, Brother Mark. Hallelujah. I want everybody to keep your eyes bowed for a minute. Those of you who raise your hand, I want you to look at me right now. Look at me. Those of you who raise your hand, you're making the best decision you ever made. And today, I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. Would you stand right now? Quickly. I don't want to delay the service, but I do need to do this. Listen, I ask everybody who raised your hand. They, they, they got mad at Catherine Coleman because she asked people to take a stand for Jesus. She asked them to come to the front. They got mad at her. She said, why wouldn't I ask people to take a stand for Jesus? Jesus took a stand for you. When he squared his shoulders and marched up Galgotha's Hill to shed his blood for you and me so we could be saved. You raised your hand today or you should have raised your hand. Would you just slip out of your chair right now? Just come and stand in front of me right now. Just come, come on out, come on. Slip out of your chair right now, just come, sir. Come on, come on, come on, guys. Come on now, quickly, quickly, come on, don't delay. Don't delay, I'll get accused of dragging the service on too long. Come on now, quickly, quickly, quickly. Let's give them a hand as they come right now. God bless you, anybody else, anybody else, anybody? Come on, you know you need to come. If you didn't raise your hand, come anyways, hallelujah. Jesus' name right now, hallelujah. Glory to God. Look at these folks. Two, four, six, eight people. Would you look at me for a moment? How do you get saved? You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. How do you stay saved? You keep on believing in your heart and you keep on confessing with your mouth. What do I have to do to get saved? Do I have to stand on my head and spit nickels? Do I have to give money to the church? No. But you do have to call upon the name of the Lord, asking to forgive your sins and cleanse you. I'm going to ask everybody, would you open your mouth with me and repeat this prayer after me? I'm going to ask everybody over this whole congregation, repeat this prayer with me right now. I want you to say it from your heart. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you will be saved. God bless you. Good to see the men coming forward. The women, God's moving in this church. The presence of the Lord is here. You know, I know the presence of the Lord is here because if the Spirit of the Lord wasn't here, nobody would get saved. But people are getting saved today. Would you pray with me right now? Everybody, make this confession right now. Dear Jesus, I ask you now, live in my life. Move into this house. I give you the upstairs and the downstairs. Front yard, the backyard. I give you every part of this house. Be Lord of this house. Jesus, I believe you died so I could live. You suffered so I could be well. And you went to hell so I could go to heaven. You rose again so I could live a great life. And right now, I boldly confess by faith in you, I am saved. Hallelujah. Lord, I commit these people to your hands, into your safekeeping and into your safe care. Lord, when Pastor Brian and I, we get to heaven, we start looking around, I want to see every one of these faces. Standing before you, Lord God. Keep them now, Lord God. Touch them on the inside, the outside, the upside, the downside, the front side, the back side, the flip side. 
touch them in a way no person ever touched them before. Give them your strength. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can go back to your chair. Just if you need a miracle in your body, just raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand right now. Get sickness in my body. Come on, just raise your hand right now. One bold prayer, and then I'm turning back to Pastor. One bold prayer. Jesus can do it now. It's power over time. He has power over elements. He can take something that's worthless and come on now. He can do it right now. That which was not his hour became his hour. He can do it just for fun. So Jesus, right now, you see the hands of the people that stand before me. Lord, I call upon your name right now and your power. And as the authority you've given me as a believer, I command sickness to go in Jesus' name. I speak healing to bodies and minds and souls. I command the skin, the, the cells, the molecules, the fibers, the bones, the organs to be healed. I command every joint to be healed in Jesus' name. I speak healing, health, and wholeness, a credible healing, and a cure in Jesus' name. And I boldly confess, it is so. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Amen, amen. Maybe seat it real quick. Uh, I just enjoy. How many enjoy the and feel encouraged today? Your faith is stirred up. Your expectation. God is truly a God of miracles. Thank you, uh, Pastor Mark, for delivering that excellent word. Uh, for for time's sake today, I just want to. Just want to, this, this is good ground, you know, what, what Pastor Mark and Sharon are doing uh, around the world. Uh, and I told you, they're, 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 they're overseers of, you know, th these are people that mentor and guide our church. And this is great ground. And I just believe that today, I just want to, I want to take, we don't take up a lot of offerings here, but I want to take up an offering today uh, to sow into their ministry. Uh, if, you, if you want an envelope or something, uh, you can do that. You can also just do it by e-transfer like we normally do and just put in the comment line for that global and uh, we're going to take up an offering today. We're going to sow all that money into what they're doing uh, around the world. And I just believe this is good, solid ground. You guys with me? Anyway, so I just want to pray today as we, uh, as we dismiss and close on this. Father God, I thank you, Lord, this day. I thank you that your Holy Spirit is moving. I thank you that our faith is arising and our expectation. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that as a God of miracles, that you are moving in our lives this day. Father, bless those who are sowing, Father, this day. I pray, Father, that it would be blessed, that it would be anointed, and that that seed, Father, would go forth into their life and produce good fruit as it goes forth into good ground. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So. You are dismissed today. I just want you guys to know that you're loved, you're valued, you're appreciated. Tell somebody next to you that as you are heading out of the building today. If you need any other prayer, you're welcome to come back up to the altars and we will continue to pray for you uh, and believe with you in your lives as you approach this upcoming week. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Be blessed. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome, Welcome to the After Nine Show. Yes. So for those of you that don't know, maybe this is your first time joining us. We are basically here to talk about what we learned today in service. It's a chit-chat. Yeah, it's a little chit-chat. <laughs> we have a guest joining us in a moment. Um, and Pastor Luke LaBeouf is going to be joining us. And we also just... Um, 
you know, this is something that we do because we want to, like maybe you're at home, maybe you couldn't come in today, or maybe you missed service this week. Um, we like to do this to be able to have that like moment where you talk to your friends yes. about what you learned. So come talk to us. You know, <laughs> yeah. So we do that every week. And then um, if you're watching on a Wednesday and you missed service, then click the link in the description below and watch the service first and then come back to us because you won't understand, right? It's okay. You won't understand it. So you want to watch yes. us after Very you watch the service. service. Yeah. Um, okay, so Pastor Luke just left for a moment. So Casey, yeah. it was such a great service from beginning to the end. The worship was good. Um, the everything was just so. God was just here today, and um, I just wanted to make sure everybody caught all those great things, little details. You know, with Pastor yeah. Brian talking about the man that had to go. Um, to the well and he was always like i get there and it's already like i can't go you missed my chance i don't get the help and he always kept blaming other people right you know and and just from that and saying you know like sometimes we do that you're like you know we, we have these things that we just live with every every year after year mm -hmm. and you know we're like well we, we try to go but you know we, we don't actually get there we don't actually get to church well i mean to go to church yeah, and, yeah. and i kind of want this healing and god didn't you know he knew he, he we need things he knows we need things right and it wasn't until he said hey you know do you want this and you had to say oh, yes yeah. right exactly to receive exactly I love that right. that's so good case <laughs> that's a good revelation about today I know so we'll get into the next revelation yeah <laughs> speaking of revelations <laughs> come on, come on in, Pastor man. so we get to share a microphone today sorry we have to share a microphone today can you put that over there Casey oh yeah right Larry this is what I'm using okay so I'm gonna let you hold it and then just give it back to me when you're done talking if you want. <laughs> but you can't, you can't cover this part. There we go. You're good now. Hello. Hey, hey. Boy, right. did I get my battery charged today. Amen. Wasn't it good? It was so good. I'm telling you, there's something about God's anointing. It is. It it's was good. meant to bring life. That's right. Not, yes. And I got so encouraged today. I, I've got food to digest for... A week at least. At least a week. <laughs> but I tell you, it's really the first time I got to really hear Pastor Mark. I'm telling you, mm -hmm. I, I can totally agree with everything he shared. Yes. That there's certain things, as we call ourselves Christian, that we have to fulfill mm -hmm. to receive what God says we can have. Yes. Amen. And uh, just to hear what God is doing, mm -hmm. not only in his ministry, yes. but in his personal life, mm -hmm. um, the five points that he gave us. Uh, that was, you know, for me growing up in the church and, and being a Christian and, you know, I've always been like, yes, miracles exist and yes, we can have them. And it was today when he was talking about that, the containers, that point number four. Get the that containers. Is, I think that was my missing element was the containers, you know, and, and I've been really believing that this year that I would really start seeing and, and I've been believing for miracles that I would also be able to see miracles in people that don't necessarily believe in Jesus yet, mm -hmm. right? And, and at work and just that I would be able to say, hey, I am praying for you and know that God is going to move in their life. And I think that that was the last thing that I, that was just like, okay, now I need to put the, that into practice now and make room for that and, and, and research those things so that I can 
see the miracles because they're there. They're always coming and they're always there. And well, sometimes we, have, we don't look at We them. have to expect them. That's right. We have to be looking for them. That's right. You've got to have the containers That's right. to be ready for them. And yep. he's a God that's timeless. Yes. He's not in a box yes. of time. Mm -hmm. And I look back at my own personal life and seen the miracles yes. that God did in our families alone. Yep. When I wasn't even saved. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know one thing, God has never changed. No. And Same. we've got to be people of faith mm -hmm. and what really ministered to me is to oftentimes we forget to invite Jesus to the party. Yes. yes. And we take him for granted. Yep. Well, I know what God can do. Yeah. You know, we say all these nice formulated prayers, mm -hmm. but do we, it takes faith to invite yes. Jesus to the party. I agree. <laughs> I, that, that was the point I was going to talk about. I thought that was really good how he said that. Um, invite Jesus to the party. Invite him to the season that you're in. Yes. Because I think that sometimes it's hard to do that. Um, you know, the good seasons and the bad seasons. That's right. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're struggling through something, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's hard for us to take a step back and say, okay, Jesus, I need you here. Mm -hmm. But I think that sometimes too, I don't know if you guys agree, sometimes we get stuck in the struggle and then it's like we can't imagine life without it. Yes. Right? But like Jesus the man doesn't that want was that for us. Paralyzed, right? Yeah. Or uh, how Mary and Martha were so easy to accept Lazarus' Lazarus yes. death, right? Yeah. Um, imagine I inviting, like, uh, okay, let's let's do a for instance. <laughs> Pastor Luke, let's pretend. I, I, we'll I'm pretend. sure you're probably good at this, but like, let's pretend Pastor Luke is the best barbecue master in the entire world. He's the best chef. And we have a barbecue <laughs> planned, but um, maybe there's only one barbecue. And I'm just trying, I'm making this up on the spot. Mm -hmm. And we ask everybody else except for Pastor Luke to make the, make the food. But like, what a waste of an opportunity to have someone that's so gifted and so capable of helping us that, you know, we let Nathan barbecue. Yeah. And burnt it. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> but you know, I'm left after this message today with a desire to live my life in the rhythm of miracles. Because that's who he is. And seeing too it, it, it is so real to me. The the little things, right? The like like things. like like God does little things too that sometimes we just overlook and we think, oh well, it's just happenstance. You know, oh, it's just that this or that. But if you start seeing those as miracles that God is giving you, that also helps to build up your faith. The more we ask, the more we pray for things, and the more we just get into God's presence and believe that his word is truth, the more that we will see that God is truth and that he is the healer and he is the provider and you know we can come to him and he is in our party and I want to touch too I love the story because Jesus mother asked him to do something mm -hmm. and then say okay he's like basically he's gonna do it because I asked him to do it right so she just says okay you're gonna do it and you're gonna do whatever he says and then walks away mm -hmm. <laughs> you know how many times it's have done. we said that to our children too she said okay you're gonna go do that 
and then just you know it's going to get done because you know you're going to have obedient children. <laughs> but the good news is this. We at I-9, we have a time of prayer every Monday night, except for this week because it's a holiday, <laughs> to come together and to call on Jesus yeah. to be part of our party, mm -hmm. to, to be part of our lives, our issues, whatever we go through in life. He wants to be part of it, but he's waiting for us to ask. So when we come together in prayer every Monday night at 7.10 on YouTube um, and Facebook, yep. I tell you, I've learned in my life that there is power in prayer, mm -hmm. but there's also power in faith. Yes. And we drew from the gift of the evangelist this morning, mm -hmm. and I'm believing for good things in all our lives yes. from this day forth. Amen. Amen. I agree. Have you, uh, well, you know Peter Pretorius. Do, do you know? He's a good guy. So when Peter Pretorius, he wrote this book called Death Defying Faith, I believe. Um, and it, it's one of my favorite books. It's definitely one of my top 10. But he uh, had a ministry of healing. He was an evangelist too, I believe in South Africa. So he had a ministry of healing. And when he first got saved, he, he felt like God was calling him to heal. And all he said was, Jesus healed them. That's all he said. You know, there was no elaborate, like, production. Yeah. And <laughs> kind of like Pastor Mark was talking about today, the ladies' tumors just dissolved right and i think that what i love the most about the heart of an evangelist is that they're so easy and quick to believe that god's going to come through you know like it was nothing for them to think that fifty thousand souls right it's nothing so uh i believe that for us today we we you know we open the doors for jesus yeah. we have the containers available for his overflowing for our lives and we're excited to see what he's going to do in our lives and the church's lives. Do you have anything in closing, Pastor Luke? Um, <laughs> I had the pleasure to spend a day with Peter. Yeah. We were at a conference in Toronto. We had to get to Detroit, so I drove him to Detroit. Boy, did I pick his brain. Yeah. And after I dropped him off, I drove home. I was so full and ready yeah. to make a difference that God is real if we invite him in yep. to our, the areas of our lives that maybe we're struggling in or as small as they might be or as big as they are. We serve a God of the impossible. Yep. So can you ever visualize getting five jugs of water and turning them into wine? Yeah. But God can. Good wine, Amen. too. Amen. Good wine. Not garbage wine. Uh, well, that was great, Pastor Luke. I can tell you're charged up. You're ready to go. <laughs> this is great. Um, so that was us today. That's the After 9 show. Uh, and like I said, we don't have, well, Pastor Luke said this too, we don't have the Lighthouse tomorrow. We will be having it next Monday at yes. 710. But we do have the gallery, Young Adults Meeting, tomorrow night. So if you want more information on that. And it's Senior Youth this week. And it's Senior Youth this week. Yep, on Friday. So if you need more information, just send us an email, info at i9church.com. And I'm Sarah. I'm Casey. And this is Pastor Luke LaBeouf. Be blessed. We wish you the best Sunday of your life. And we will day. see you next week.